those around us who are walking in the darkness, who have abandoned the faith, who are in the process of abandoning the faith. You've got to remember the enemy has one lie, and the lie is simply this, to get people out from under God's word. That's the lie. If I can just get people out from under this, I will lead droves of families off a spiritual cliff. And this should break our hearts. It should spur us on, church. It should drive us to our knees. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we just very intentionally, very urgently, and very desperately, we seek you. We seek your glory. We seek your truth. We seek the beauty of the gospel. So, fathers, we open these glorious pages. Well, Father, I pray that the words would leap off the page. I pray they'd leap off the page and leap right into my heart. And so with an open Bible, open my heart, Father. Open my mind. Lord, keep me from the schemes of the enemy, his lies, his deceptions, and his vices. I pray that I would hear your truth. Lord, give us a desire, give me a desire right now to just behold your glory. And Father, my prayer is that you would move in this place like never before. Holy Spirit, would you fall heavy on our hearts today? And may we be people who have a burning desire, burning, to want to know you and nothing else. So Father, may the words of my mouth And may the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. And we pray this in the mighty, the matchless, the name that's above every name. We pray this in the name that salvation is only found in. We pray this in the name that you can only be rescued by. We pray this in the name that you can only find your hope and your identity and your security. We pray this in the name 
of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Take your Bible and let's turn together to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And as you're turning there, I was reading a, a quotation by a, a wonderful uh, women's Bible teacher by the name of Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth. And she said this phrase, she said this quote that just greatly stirred in my soul. You, you guys ever read something? Of course, when you read Scripture, this happens all the time. But even when someone might say something that you're having a conversation with, and it, just something happens, it, it illuminates in you, you resonate with it, you identify with it. This is what she said. Your progress in holiness will never exceed your relationship with the Holy Word of God, end quote. So just marinate on this for a moment. You know, one of our themes is holiness, amen? We're pursuing holiness. We're running hard after God's holiness. You say, why do we do that? Because He commands us to. He says in the Old Testament and also in the New that we studied in Peter, be holy as I am holy. That's a command. And here she makes this statement, which is so amazing. Let me read it one more time to make sure this is sinking in. Your, my, progress and holiness will never exceed your relationship with the Holy Word of God. Do you see why the enemy is so passionate that we don't get in this? Did you see why he's attacking? Well, if I can just keep people out of this, I'll keep them out of holiness. That's why we love the Word, amen? Anyone besides me love the Word today? Like, I just love the Word. I just love it. I mean, it just refreshes my soul. Man, when I'm discouraged, I get in it, and I get encouraged. When I need rebuked, I skip over those pages. Amen? Well, of course not, right? We read it, and we are convicted. Here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, I pray the Word would be a lamp unto our feet this morning, church. I pray the Word will be a light into our path. Why? That we may not sin against our glorious Heavenly Father. So here's what the Word says. One verse with the question of the title or the statement, how do I respond or how to respond when you suffer for the truth? That's our thought this morning, church. How do you, how do I respond when we suffer for the truth of God's Word, and we're going to find out from the truth of God's Word. Here it is, 1 Peter 3, 9, one simple verse. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called. Why? That you may obtain a blessing. Anyone today in the church house want to be blessed? I vote yes, amen. 
Boy, this is so interesting as we've been studying this text now for a long time. These passages of First Peter were in First Peter 3, we're in verse 9, and here we are looking at just one verse today that is so meaty. It's so weighty. Because we know from God's Word, I don't know if you know this, but from God's Word it says this, that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I really want to be in for Jesus. I want to make a difference. I want to live for Him. I don't want to live in casual Christianity. I don't want to live in apathy and indifference. I really want to live a life that counts. I want to live a life that has significance. I want to live a life that matters. If that's you here today as you're seeking the Lord, you need to know on the front end that there's going to be some really, really tough sledding ahead. But when we know this, this is the beauty. See, when we know reality that the Bible says we're going to suffer, it prepares us for the suffering. Like we're not surprised. You know, like, well, I mean, you know, I'm shocked, I'm dismayed, I'm discouraged. You got to remember the enemy's going to try everything you do to get you to move away from Christ. I know this is a shocker, not to move closer to Christ. And here, one of the issues that so often entangles us is how we respond to the persecution. Peter's writing to a group of believers that are going under heavy persecution. They're sold out. They're now dispersed. They're surrendered to King Jesus. And he's trying to encourage them, saying, look, don't panic. That's typically the first thing we do, isn't it? Then we see like things maybe aren't going the way we would like or hope. We begin to panic. Remember the kids of Israel? Kids of Israel, man, they were just a great group of people, aren't they? They were just so good and so Christian-like and never complained. They just wandered around in a pretty small area for like 40 years, right? You remember, though, what happens. God, in His amazing providence, in God's amazing providence, He takes them from that land and sends them into the new land. He takes them from being a hostage to being free. And as He takes them from being a hostage to being free, here's what happens. They come to the place called the Red Sea. See, so many times in the Christian life, we buy into this milky toast, Humpty Dumpty, Mr. Rogers Christianity that we think that life's going to just work out like we want it because we walked an aisle, said a prayer, did a card, well, signed a card, right? The problem with that thought is that it's just anti-biblical. You will face many red seas in your life if you're for Jesus. And the question is, will you stand still and hold your peace? Or will you bend, buckle, and break as the fire gets turned up? Moses told those kids of Israel, stand still. Stand anchored in the truth of God." Don't bend. I mean, put your feet in concrete called the Holy Spirit and just stand still for the truth of God's Word. And when they began to do that, you know how the story unfolded. God made a way where literally there was no way. See, so often when things are unraveling around us, we begin to panic. We begin to look internally. We begin to look inside for the answers But instead of looking in, we need to start looking up. 
And we start looking up and maybe God's in the midst of parting the Red Sea. But in the midst of that though, there's going to be a lot of challenges as you stand for the Gospel. So how do we respond? Pretty simple. Verse 9 of We'll even call it one Peter today. How's that? Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Pretty simple. Evil is wickedness. Reviling is slander. Lying about someone, trying to defame their character. So just think through this. This is not a real deep theological conversation today. Do not, so there's a don't, there's a command, don't do this. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. He says don't do it. You think through this whole thought there because there's a repayment being done here. So often we go somewhere and and we pay for the good or the service. You go to the fuel station and you pay for it. That's a good thing to pay, right? Right? You have a debt, you repay it. Those are good, healthy things. But what he's talking about here is not a healthy thing. Again, when someone comes against you, it could be in your home, it could be in your business, your ball team, or even your church, when they come against you, the inclination, here's what he's saying, even though the natural inclination is, they punched me, I, I got to punch them back, he's saying, don't do it. He's saying, don't repay, don't retaliate, is how we could really say this. Don't retaliate. Don't repay their wickedness with your own wickedness. Don't repay their slander and their lies and their accusations and their unfound criticisms with your own. Don't do it. Matter of fact, Proverbs tells us this. It says, if you literally imitate a fool or respond to them how they have talked to you, you are now becoming like the fool. It's amazing how this works. Peter says, no, don't do that. That's why key number one, write this down, key number one in your notes. When someone mistreats you as you stand in and for the truth, they're revealing that they're walking in spiritual darkness. And this should break our hearts. Key number one, when someone mistreats you, persecutes you, as you stand in and for the truth, referring to God's Word, they're revealing that they're walking in spiritual darkness, and this should break our hearts. Now, there's a disclaimer here. This doesn't mean that you don't stand for truth. This doesn't mean that you're giving a thumbs up. Actually, just quite the contrary. It's okay to stand for truth and put up healthy boundaries. It's actually a really good thing. When the Bible says this, turn the other cheek, this gets so hermeneutically misconstrued. People think that means to be a doormat. That's not what that means. It means this, don't retaliate. It actually means 1 Peter 3, 9. You can stand for the truth. Matter of fact, there's so many scriptures where Jesus, where Peter, where Paul did exactly that. You do it lovingly, but you can do it boldly. By the way, you can stand boldly and you don't even have to raise your voice. You can stand boldly and you don't have to say a thing. You can stand boldly. That's what Peter's getting at, that this should break our hearts. See, when someone's walking in darkness, maybe it's your child today, maybe it's your spouse, again, business ball team church, 
that shouldn't bring us any joy. It should break our hearts. And when someone is coming at you because you stand for God's word, it's just revealing how they view God's word. That should crush us. There should be a great sympathy in that. We still stand, but we will have a heart that says, my heart breaks for you. I was thinking through that thought, and you know, people often attack that which is, has the potential to expose them. That's why often people begin to attack. They don't want to be exposed. You teach truth, it's like a high beam flashlight on me, on you, on anyone who listens. It's a high beam flashlight. It reveals all my sin. I got nowhere to hide. There are people that don't like that. But we know this, it's the truth that will set us free. If you want to walk in freedom and no longer in a self-imposed prison, just get in love with Jesus through His Word. I was thinking of a scripture that would give us some thought on that. Write down John chapter 3, 19 through 20. John chapter 3, 19 through 20. Jesus illustrates this so beautifully. Remember, He's talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus the Pharisee comes to Him by night and You need to be born again, is what Jesus says. He's all confused on what that even means. Here's what Jesus says, of course, after John 3, 16, 19 and 20. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love, here it is, church, they love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. Hate it. And does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. People who really love Jesus love his word and they want more of the word. You just crave it. You just want a fire hiding on you because you know that when you're in it, it's, it's going to do the work that only it can do. It will grow you. As we've talked even this morning earlier, man, we've got to guard our hearts. We've got to feed our hearts. Every one of us in this church house today is feeding our hearts with something. Oh, we're all feeding our hearts with something. And when we feed it with the truth of God's Word, we'll begin to guard our hearts. But when we feed it with the things of the world, the things of the flesh, hey, I don't want that. I'm not really into that. You know, I'm just not here. I'm not there. We begin to let our guard down. And guess what happens? Over the fence, the enemy goes. We must understand that people that are in darkness need the hope of the gospel, and it should break our hearts. Scripture reminds us here, so this is again from Scripture. Listen to the real reason that people hate you as a true Christ follower. Here's the real reason. John 15, 18 through 21. John 15, 18 through 21. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you, Jesus says. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus says, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. 
but all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. This is rock your world, just serious stuff. I don't know if those words sank in, but man, this is serious. That when people are coming against you, they're coming against me, they're really not coming against you, and they're really not coming against me. You know, our hearts should break. I mean, just be crushed. Crushed to dire desperation of prayer for those people. From Scripture, listen to the fruits of the truth of those who at one point claimed the truth or claimed the faith, but are now headed in the opposite direction. Here's what Paul tells Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4 Verses 1 through 2, now the Spirit, capital S, expressly says that in the latter time, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. If you're really in love with Jesus and you're really in love with His Word, you don't run away from it. It's the last thing you do. You run more towards it. Oh, I pray our hearts are heavy for those in our homes, our businesses, our ball team, and our church who, who are turning. Remember the deception of the deception is that we've convinced ourselves that we're actually walking rightly. That's the deception of the deception. That's how deceiving deception is. We're brainwashed and we actually think we're walking rightly. It's entirely possible, church, to shout that we are for the things of God, but actually be against the things of God. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Tim Keller said it like this, apathy is a bigger problem than atheism for Christianity, end quote. See, the days are over that you can be a covert Christian. The days are over that you can, you know, just be a weekend warrior. The days are over that you can be partially in because here's the deal, the culture's going to call you out. Like when you go to the workplace, you can't hide anymore, right? I mean, they're going to call you out. There's an aggressive celebration of sin in our country today. It's an aggressive celebration of sin. And so they're going to attack you as you are light in the workplace. Therefore, we got to be in the truth. That's, that's my passion is that when you come here that you'll be fueled. My, my passion is that, that you'll be strengthened. My, my passion is that when Monday morning hits... When Monday morning hits and you're supposed to bow down to the idol at work or get thrown in the fiery furnace, my prayer is that you've been so feasting on the Word of God, that you're so under the Word of God, that you're so in love with the Word of God, that what happens, my prayer is that when you get to Monday morning and you're in the fiery furnace, you simply say, oh, Lord, I'm bowing down to you. (laughs) We're not bowing down to you. 
Throw us in the fiery furnace. We know our God's able. That's going to preach a thousand sermons right there. But how will you get to that point if you're not under this? You won't. It's a fool's errand. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Do you see, church, the importance of the word? How about number two? Let's look here at the next part. So the first part was, don't do. (laughs) Don't do this. Don't repay. Don't retaliate. Take it on the chin. Consider the source, however you want to look at it. Have your heart break for those people. But on the contrary, here's part two. But on the contrary, transitional word, but. But on the contrary, however, 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 do this. Do what? Bless. Now, this is a very interesting word here. I've been wrestling with this one all week. In the original, you can make a legitimate argument to speak well of, to even eulogize. Now, hear me on that. You're not wishing that you're at their funeral, even though in the flesh you may be wishing you were at their funeral. Amen? Man, when someone says things about you of slander, of lies, of defamation of character that simply aren't true, boy, it's easy to sing their praises, isn't it? It doesn't mean we lie and manufacture words. Don't miss this. What is being said here is can you find something positive to at a minimum pray as your blessing? Now, I know for some people, you may say, no, I can't find one thing. But here's the command. That in the midst of this, that maybe something we say, even while standing for the truth and having healthy boundaries, perhaps might be a catalyst that God could use to take them from the grip of the enemy into his loving arms. From the power of the darkness to the power of light. That's why key number two, write it down, is so important. When you suffer for the truth, not if, but when you suffer for the truth, church, quick question before I finish this thought. How do we know that we're going to suffer for the truth? Any ideas? Because the Bible tells us. When you suffer for the truth, respond by blessing those who mistreat you. Now again, hear me clearly on this. Uh, You're not to be a punching bag. You're not to be a doormat. Boldly stand for truth. We do not compromise on truth. However, as the healthy boundaries are put in place, you can still speak a kind word, whether through prayer or even verbally. It may be hard to do, but we're to do it. One of the reasons why I believe Scripture commands us to do this is not for just their benefit, but perhaps better for our own benefits. That perhaps we're able to now guard our hearts to the power of the Holy Spirit against the bitterness, against the rage and the anger, because it's hard to hate the person you're speaking well about. Amen? 
there's evil people, there's manipulators. There's only two options. You're either walking in the light or you're walking in the darkness. Well, you know, I, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, I know, I kind of hang out in, in both. Well, you're walking in the darkness. I'm not talking about perfection. We all sin. I'm talking about walking in darkness, habitual. There's a difference, church, between sinning, having deep remorse, deep repentance, deep confession. There's a big difference between that and habitually just walking in darkness. We're either in one or the other. You cannot be in both. It's impossible. That's why this should break our hearts. It should break our hearts that those around us who are walking in the darkness, who have abandoned the faith, who are in the process of abandoning the faith, you've got to remember the enemy has one lie, and the lie is simply this, to get people out from under God's Word. That's the lie. If I can just get people out from under this, I will lead droves of families off a spiritual cliff. And this should break our hearts. It should spur us on, church. It should drive us to our knees. We should beg God to remove the blinders of rebellion and defiance and stiff-neckedness. This doesn't bring joy. This should bring us sadness. Two massive examples in Scripture. Let me give these to you. Two massive ones of blessing others in the midst of persecution. Write down Luke chapter 23, 34. Luke 23, 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You talk about the massive example, amen? I mean, if you want one massive example, it is that one right there. That in the midst of Jesus Christ being butchered and executed on a cruel Roman cross, that he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was blessing them in the midst of their sin. Now, to have true forgiveness, you have to turn, amen? The Bible's very clear on that. He wasn't given some blanket, okay, everyone's forgiven. No, he's, he's expressing who he is as the good shepherd, as the great shepherd, that as he leads us beside the still waters, and even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and even though we walk in the presence of our enemies, he goes, hey, I got a great place to have a picnic. And he says, I'm going to have a picnic right there in the presence of your enemies. Jesus Christ, the greatest example of blessing, because he, if anyone knew about light and darkness, it would be King Jesus. As the greatest collision between light and darkness happened there at Calvary, that it happened right there, this collision, this massive collision of, of light and darkness. And, and there Jesus is boldly, he didn't bend, buckle, and break. He didn't call 10,000 angels. Yes, he did say, God, if, if there's any other way, if there's any other way that, you'll, that we can do this, God's like, no. Jesus says, I'm going towards the cross. He boldly stood for the truth. And guess what happened? When he boldly stood for the truth, just everyone gathered around him, gave him a big bear hug. They all started singing Kumbaya. No, what happened? He stood for the truth of the gospel. The Bible says this, that even those that were with him, that as he's hanging on the cross, that one account in the gospel says 
that they stood at a distance. If you want to be alone, stand for the truth. It's just amazing how the Lord will take the fame of His name and it's so offensive to the flesh. The second example is in Acts chapter 7, 54 through 60. Write that down, Acts 7, 54 through 60. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. Make a note of that first statement. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth at him. Are you getting the visual here? But he, who's he? Anybody know? Stephen. What motivated Stephen? What drove Stephen? Who was Stephen? Well, I think the next phrase tells us. Full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God. He was beholding the glory. And Jesus standing. He wasn't sitting. He's standing. See, Jesus is standing going, come on, buddy. Come on in. Just come on. Come on. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He's standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, Stephen, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. But they, the crowd who hated the truth, they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears and they rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. By the way, when people are throwing rocks at you, it's probably not a good sign. And the witnesses, they laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he, he responded. Do you catch this? He's responding. He's responding to the mistreatment. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And it's one thing to have people say lies about you. That's a whole other thing when they start throwing rocks at you. And his response is to bless them. Bless them. I don't know if you understand the first part of that story, but Stephen went on a diatribe giving them the truth. And they were enraged. They gnashed their teeth at him. But they really weren't enraged at him. And they really weren't gnashing their teeth at him. They were enraged and gnashing their teeth at the truth. Oh, I pray as we understand this today that we would never forget how glorious the gospel is. The beauty and the just awesome opportunity. Yes, you heard me right. The awesome opportunity to suffer for the truth. It's amazing. You say, how do you get there? Well, look at the last part of our text here today. Here it is, the last phrase of one verse, verse 9, that you may obtain a what? A blessing. The word obtain is pretty cool here. 
It means this in the original, to actually inherit. Does anyone in the church house today vote yes for a nice, healthy inheritance in your life? I vote yes. Make sure you tithe off of it, though. Amen? Blessing. Well, you're right. It means what we said, to be well-spoken of. (laughs) But also, you could argue this from the original, to have the hand and the favor of the Lord upon you. Wow. Wow. That's convicting, isn't it? Because I know it's convicting to this guy. Key number three, last key. When you respond with a blessing to those who mistreat you for the truth, you will be blessed. Don't forget, church, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, 10 through 12. This is a hard pill to swallow. But it's God's Word. And we love God's Word. Not just part of it, but all of it. Amen? Jesus preaching the most dynamic sermon ever preached, three chapters long, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Here's what he says in chapter 5, 10 through 12. Blessed, there he is. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I know in the flesh you go, this doesn't make any sense. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you see where the eternal perspective is, church? See, the eternal perspective is no longer on this earth. It truly is with God. Blessed are those Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile. Have we heard the word revile today? When they revile you, when they slander you, when they persecute you, when they lie about you, and utter all kinds of evil, wickedness against you falsely on whose account? Any guesses? Jesus. You got to remember, church, when people come at you as you stand in the truth, they're actually not coming at you. They're trying to come against Jesus. Because, see, they see light in you, and your light in you, because Jesus lives within you through the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to potentially expose their wickedness. And people will go to great lengths to keep their wickedness, their darkness concealed. And then here is the one verse in verse 12 that just ruffles our feathers. So in the midst of all this persecution, here's what Jesus says you're to do. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad. When's the last time that someone lied about you and you went to Panda Express and threw yourself a party? Hard, isn't it? But that's what I and you are commanded to do. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great where? Here? In the temporal? No, the reward is with Jesus. We've got to start looking heavenward going, man, faithfulness and obedience and whatever it costs me, man, I'm just in for the gospel. I'm here to make a difference. I want to see the revival happen and just whatever God allows in my life, bring it on God because I know this, that I'm safe in your arms and I can't wait to be in your arms. There's no more pain and no more suffering. So how will you and I respond this week when we suffer? 
One person once said that a person's character is shown through their actions in life, not where they sit on Sunday, end quote. Let me say that one more time. It was once said that a person's character, who they really are, not what people think you and I are, but who we really are in the core of who we are, a person's character is shown through their actions in life, not where they sit on Sunday. God doesn't save a person, church, just because they serve. God saves a person because they've repented and they give their life to Him. So many times we equate serving with salvation. I mean, should it be a byproduct? Absolutely. But I know lots of people over the years that have served and they've never given their life to Jesus. I was thinking of what KEC recently said and the thought went like this. Listen closely. Are we surrounding ourselves with people who have tossed out all the fluff and are burning to obey God? Just think through that for a moment. In my circle, in your circle, are you surrounding yourself? Am I surrounding myself with people that have just thrown out all the fluff? All they want is Jesus and Him crucified and they're burning just burning to obey God. The thought went on, do you have a crucified Christ mentor? Do you have a crucified, do I have a crucified Christ mentor? Are you being led astray from the Lord by the friendships that you keep? Oh, how easy it is to be drug away, isn't it? Just drug away. Well, here's my last thought. Are we embracing the biblical concept of a lifestyle of repentance for a lifetime? Repentance is not behavior modification, but rather a genuine change of the heart and mind by the beauty of the gospel. Sin is revealed, sin is admitted and confessed, denial and blame shifting are no more. And a new spiritual course is intentionally and joyfully set into the pursuit of holiness by the power of the Holy Spirit and church. It's all to the praise of God our Father. Amen. So how will we respond this week? Just ask yourself that question. If you are a true Christ follower, how will you and I respond this week? I pray we'll respond with a heart that loves our Savior. Father, we come before You. And Lord, as we pause, Lord, I just ask that You would strengthen, that You would challenge, that You would encourage, that You would rebuke, whatever You need to do to me. Lord, we want to be more like Jesus, not more like the world. God, remind us that Satan has a gospel too. Remind us, God. Don't allow us to be preoccupied with the world. Don't allow us to be preoccupied with self. Oh, Lord. Don't allow us to be preoccupied with the things that seem they're of You. 
but aren't. Oh, I pray, God, for my life that I would just be preoccupied with you. Lord, as we ask the question today, as we respond to the unfairness of suffering in life that other people inflict upon us, but we know you're sovereign and so you allowed into our lives to, to strengthen us, to refine us, to prune us. And yet, Lord, we, we just know that it's hard. So, Lord, we just ask one simple question this morning. We make it individual. We make it personal. As I ask it out loud, referring to myself, I pray that each one around the room would ask the same question. But We just simply ask, Jesus, are you pleased with me? So, Father, in this moment of reflection on your word, the truth, help us to remember, as was once said, that the degree of holiness that we go into will never be exceeded by where we stand in regards to your word. So, Lord, I pray you'd move in this place, that you'd move in power, that you would stir. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate, remove the blinders and any deceptions, Lord. I just pray against those right now. And I pray that you would work and move and do the healing and restoration that only you can do, O oh God. And so as we fall at your feet today, may you be glorified. May you be praised. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.